Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome, or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. And the talk you're about to hear is from our current message series, Is Like... Ancient Parables for a Modern Faith. So let's get straight into it. So this morning, um, I want to talk to you about a couple of parables, and it's um, two parables um, that you can fit into three verses. Go figure that. It's just it's this incredible sort of dense um, condensing of two of the great parables, really, that Jesus said, two of the more familiar parables that you'll um, hear about. And it goes like this. The kingdom of heaven... Jesus said, is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and he bought it. We're going to leave that up there just for a little while before I kind of move into any other slides so you can just read it over again. I like those little bits of the Bible where you can read a whole lot in one and three verses. It makes you feel like you've done your Bible reading, doesn't it? So that's great. You can read that and that'll be fantastic. So two parables, two short parables, two very descriptive parables, two parables with a similar kingdom message. And we've Following through in quite a lot of this series, we'll be doing kingdom parables, which are somewhat different to some of the others. So not exclusively, but our theme this year is your kingdom come. And so we're wanting to explore some of the kingdom parables as we do this over these next six weeks. Um, focusing these parables on this, the surpassing worth of this thing, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God sometimes that it's called. The treasure of this kingdom, we find out it may be a, it may be a hidden thing, but it's something that's worth pursuing. And together, these parables demand some questions of us. They, they sort of get under our grill a little bit, and they ask questions which are quite revealing, such as, you know, what do I value above everything else? What do I, I value above all else? Or what do I love so much that I would give up everything just so that I could have that thing, even good things, even things that, you know, kind of it's not like I'll give up sin to do this, but even good things that I'll give up for the surpassing worth of this wonderful thing, the kingdom of heaven. We're going we're gonna to explore that a little today. So it's a little bit of an odd one, that first verse, which is that first paragraph there, which is that first parable there. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. doesn't really relate to us today, does it? But um, um, in ancient times, of course, there are no banks as we have them today. And so a common practice of the day was to, was to actually bury your treasure. It's, it's sort of not a good thing to do today, we would see, but at least it would keep it safe. And so they bury it in the ground and only they would know where it was. Obviously, you wouldn't tell everybody where your treasure was. And, so, and, and, and it would be left there until you needed it. Um, sometimes, though, if tragedy happened or if circumstances changed, the treasure got left in a field. And so when Jesus is telling this parable, as he's telling a lot of parables, we wouldn't say, if Jesus was here saying, oh, it's like a treasure in a field, we'd be saying, oh, I can't figure that. Where does treasure ever come in a field? But they'd be nodding. They'd be saying, oh, yeah, I know. 
I know, you know, old Bartholomew down the road, and he found a treasure in a field when he did. And it was like, oh, darn, I bought the section next door to the one with the treasure. I kind of, I kind of lucked out along the way. They would have known of these sort of circumstances. I was sort of thinking about that actually during the week. You know, some of our people here are building houses at the moment, Hobsonville Point and Albany and places like that. And I was just kind of like, you know, if you, if, you went to a, if you went to a new subdivision and there were 20 sections there, and um, what would you do if you, if you were going to a subdivision and you're deciding to buy? You'd be looking, is it north-facing? We want the light. You know, is it, is it big enough for the house that we want to put on? Is it a kind of an easy section to build on and get access to? Um, is it a, you know, kind of close to the road or far away from the road or whatever you would like for yourself? And then I'm thinking, but if you knew that in lot number 19 there was treasure buried under it, you wouldn't care at all would you about where it was or if it was wedged between two other sections or where the neighbours were, if you could dig under that field, under that section and pull up a treasure, you would, you would make it happen. You would make it happen. And I think there's something of that aspect um, uh, along the way that we can explore as we go forward today. So these parables are interpreted, mainly interpreted one way, and I want to give you a second interpretation as well of this, these parables, and then I want to go on to, into, into some things that I think can be relevant for us as we go on. So, so the traditional interpretation of this parable goes something like this. Jesus is the treasure, and Jesus is the pearl. He's the pearl of great price. And it asks us the question of how do we respond to Jesus? What are we going to do with this revelation of this amazing Jesus, amazing thing that Jesus has done for us, of, of drawing us into relationship with God and how are we going to respond to it? And there's some deeply challenging things in there because the, the characters in this, they respond with a totality that is, that is quite, quite um, you know, overwhelming in a sense. So that's the, that's the tradition. We'll spend most of our time there this morning. Um, but there's an alternative one um, that I think still bears a lot of credence, and we'll go back to it and look at it in the light of this, that we are the treasure and we are the pearl, and that the question is more is how does Jesus respond to us? And I love some of the words that we've even had this morning because this would tie in a little bit with, with a, a, read, a reading of the, of the Scripture like this. So if we read it like this from Matthew 13, we say the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. We are the treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, when Jesus found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold out everything else and he bought that field because he loved that piece of treasure that was sitting in the field. That was us. An incredible thought, isn't it? What did Jesus? He gave everything, didn't he? He gave himself on the cross, gave his life, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but gave himself. Uh, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant, Jesus, looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, that was us. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything and he bought that pearl. And he looked at us and he knew us by name and he saw something that, that was even beyond what we could think of ourselves. And how wonderful a rendition that would be. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on that thinking. But boy, if I was, if I was talking to you today and you're feeling, you're feeling low or you're feeling like you're struggling or you're wondering if God loves you or something like that or if I was a spiritual director or something like that, I reckon 
I would send you away with this today and say, just think about this. Just think that um, you are the treasure and Jesus is the one who's giving everything to win you. So I'll leave you with that as a thought and we'll kind of move on from there as we go. So last week Stanley spoke on some of the smaller things that create, you know, good things, some of them smaller and some of them bigger. So he talked about things like seeds uh, and things like leaven um, with a lump of dough and all of that sort of thing. This week we're going to experience the kingdom as something of a, of a bigger concept um, uh, and, and a wonderful concept. And so I want to take you through some ideas that have become you know, very important to me over the last week or so as I've been thinking through these whole things. And so um, the first thing that sort of occurred to me as I was thinking about this whole kingdom of heaven thing is that this kingdom that we talk about, that we sing about, that, we, that, that kind of just rolls off our tongue, it's bigger than we think. It's, it really is bigger than we think. I don't know if you've been following the news this week, but this week, um, or maybe it was last week, there's been a discovery off the coast of Colombia 310 years after the, a Spanish galleon was um, sunk um, by the British Navy went to the bottom of the sea. They've been, they've been hunting for it for ever since, um, and they've discovered it off the coast um, of, Colum- of Cartagena. And um, the, the thing about this, they call it the holy grail of treasure because the treasure on board is estimated to be worth between $4 billion and $17 billion. I mean, $4 billion or $17 billion. I mean, if... You know, I can imagine a million dollars. I don't have a million dollars, but I can imagine a million dollars. I can imagine $10 million. I can imagine $100 million just, I don't know, it's just a small street in Auckland, isn't it? So we can all imagine, we can all imagine a $100 million, even though we don't own a small street. But $4 billion, I cannot even think of how many zeros or how many zeros there are on $17 billion. It is, you would sell everything to be able to dive 600 metres, I think you'd kind of flatten out pretty quickly, but, but to dive down there and get a little bit of that bullion off that treasure ship. I think it's bigger than we think, this kingdom thing. I think it is vast. I think it is magnificent. I think it's more valuable and more life-changing than we ever gave it credit for. And I think a really searching question we can ask ourselves, is it still growing for you? Is it still growing for me? Am I understanding this whole big story of God? in new ways and, and, and growing ways as I grow and it grows larger. I think that's the first thing that I've taken out of this as I go. I think another thing about the, the kingdom um, that occurs to me through these parables is that the kingdom invites us to get rid of the clutter in our lives. It's a sort of a house renovation kind of thing is get rid of the clutter. Fran's a big fan of getting rid of the clutter. Um, it's like, you know, sort of, you don't need, I'm talking about my mother here, you don't need four um, uh, china cabinets in your lounge, you know, sort of just get, just to, you know, kind of um, um, take, it, take it all down and just have your best stuff in one china cabinet. That would be a Fran thing, I think. And so, um, and Swedish death cleaning, I don't know if you heard of this, I only heard about this yesterday, but it just seems so cool. Is, um, it seems to be um, taking, its, uh, taking its place in the, in the wider world now, which is of older people actually doing their own kind of taking a part of, the, of all of the clutter that they've generated in their lives and um, so not leaving it to their children to do. And so there's this thing of clutter that we get in our lives and this sort of thing affects our lives in terms of the, 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 the lives that we lead to along the way. It's like stuff just happens, stuff gets in the way, stuff constantly um, jostles for position of, of, of our priorities. 
you know, we're time poor. You know, what, is, what do we say to each other when, you know, how's your week been? Oh, busy. That's, that's, just, the, that's just the norm. You know, we're, we're relatively wealthy. We have all sorts of toys. We have all sorts of things that we can do, all sorts of distractions along the way. And as I was reading about the parables this week, there was one line that really stood out to me in a sermon that somebody had done on the parables that we're looking at today. And they said this, he said, faith requires a change in essence and not in degree. And I just thought that was, that was great because it was profound and it was thought-provoking at the same time. It requires a change in essence, fundamentals, you know, kind of the, the, the basis of who and what we are, rather than a change of degree. Faith in the kingdom and understanding the kingdom creates a completely different paradigm that we live in and that we work with. And I think that's a magnificent thought for us to think about. What else do we think about this kingdom thing? I think the kingdom is a, it's a treasure waiting to be found. It's a, it's a seed growing secretly. Um, as Stanley talked about last week, it's, a, it's leaven um, invading, pervading, um, you know, kind of throughout the whole, the whole lump of dough. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a net with a, with a big catch of fish. And some of the fish are good and some of the fish aren't good. It's a treasure hidden in a field. It's a, it's a pearl, a pearl of great price. I've got a little video here. I hope it, hope it does um, come up, um, which is, shows us a little bit about the making of a pearl. Like this, also known as the silver-lipped oyster. Although it's not much to look at on the outside, on the inside, it has the ability to produce one of the most valuable gems known to mankind. Any mollusk that produces a shell can produce a pearl. That includes abalone, marine snails, clams, mussels, and oysters. The South Sea pearl oyster that lives here produces the cream of the crop. It's a solitary creature that can grow to around one foot living for up to 40 years. As a result, the pearls it creates are the largest, most lustrous of all. In recent years, a single Australian South Sea pearl was sold for over $1.5 million. The notion that a pearl always forms when a grain of sand enters the creature is a myth. Another possibility is that some tiny organism invades the creature and disrupts the cells in the mantle. Then, something miraculous happens. The oyster begins to secrete a smooth crystalline substance known as nacre. Nacre, or mother of pearl, is made of the same material that forms the inside of the shell. This combination of calcium carbonate and protein is both lighter and stronger than concrete. It takes several years for thousands of layers of nacre to build up and create a smooth, iridescent gem. But it's a rare event. A pearl of value is found in less than one in 10,000 wild pearl oysters. Pearl of great price. A pearl is an amazing thing, isn't it? A, a pearl I discovered this week, it may be um, apparent to everybody else, but a pearl is... Uh, one of the wonders of a pearl is that it needs no, it can have no cutting and, no, and it needs no polishing. So, you know, lots of other gemstones, they'll have flaws and so they're cut and they're, 
you know, to, to um, sort of uh, accentuate the light and, the, and the, the luster and all of those things, or polishing of jewellery and things like this. Um, but the pearl, if you try and cut it, it actually just implodes on itself and just becomes a, you know, kind of a mass of dust, really. Um, but needs no cutting, no polishing. It is what it is. It's a, it's a miracle that takes place along the way. And, and, and there's a treasure there just waiting to be found, you know. It's, it's sort of, it's there. It's not just a given that we'll ever find this pearl. But there's something worth fighting for. There's something worth looking for. There's something worth moving ahead for in this whole thing of the pearl that the kingdom is about. And it's a wonderful thing and a wonderful invitation for us. What else do I think about this kingdom thing? I think the kingdom that we discover in these parables is an invitation to beautiful things. An invitation to beautiful things. I love that the one emotion that is mentioned in this, in this three verses, two parables, is joy. I think joy is an, is an incredible thing. I think joy, if you, if you had a joy barometer, I think one of the first things that you lose when you're losing your kind of your contact with God is, is probably your joy because you can, you can live a whole lot of other ways without joy, but joy is something that God you know, wants us to have, God wants us to draw close to. I think joy is an incredibly important thing. I was drawn this week to the story of Mary of Bethany. So her story is um, just... Um, uh, in Mark 14, I'll read it out to you. I haven't got it up there, but um, uh, this is sort of a, a, um, a freeze of, of um, Mary of Bethany pouring um, anointing oil over Jesus' head. This is what it says. And while he was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii, which apparently is 300 days' wages, and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing for me. She has done a beautiful thing for me. And we, we know and we're wowed by natural beauty, aren't we? We're wowed by our nature, our environment, and those sorts of things. But but, but in terms of this beautiful things, I, I'm sort of thinking a little, a little wider today in terms of what, what that beautiful things might be. You know, extravagant love begets extravagant love. It doesn't matter whether we're the treasure or Jesus is the treasure or we're the looker or Jesus is the looker. The thing is, extravagant love, which is represented in these kingdom parables, will produce extravagant love. If we can hook into and understand the extravagant love that has been working within here, Beautiful things will happen because of the things that's been made possible through who and what Jesus is. And then things like I say, like joy, like faith, like optimism, like expectation, like hope, like the knowledge that God has this, that he loves us, that we can rest in this, is something that we build in ourselves or that we can be aware of in this ever-expanding kingdom that we're getting to know and to understand slowly, hopefully, but surely. And we discover those things and what a magnificent thing it is to do along the way. Joy, faith, optimism, love. You will discover these things as you discover the kingdom. What else does the kingdom say? The kingdom mixes old and new in a beautiful way, in a magnificent way. I love if you, if you were still in your Bibles back down in um, Matthew chapter 13, which is where we started out with those parables. A little bit further down, there's a really interesting verse that I've never really looked at before, verse 52 where Jesus says that every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of the house 
who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And I, I love that sort of thought. I, I love the thought of this new and old thing that combines, that, that gets drawn together and brought into this, into this harmonious one. You know, with the kingdom, as we think about um, the kingdom, or even as we think about the series, you know, we've said ancient parables, modern faith. We're, we're, we're mixing this old and new thing that's happening. And as we ponder Jesus' stories and, and think about what they mean, it's, it's really relevant to ask, you know, kind of what is it to be trained as a scribe or trained at least in the kingdom, in the ways of the kingdom of heaven? And then he adds this old and new thing. And we're invited, aren't we, to be rooted both in this old, in the, in the traditions of the church and the understanding of the scriptures and the, in the, in the reality of the life, um, death and resurrection of Jesus, and also to be discovering in new ways all that that represents, all of the, that, um, that that's um, bringing us to in a modern context. And so while we can't relate to a parable that involves someone digging and burying treasure in a ground, that doesn't make sense. But we can relate to this, this concept of this treasure being something that we would pursue and this old and new that comes and brings us uh, into the future that God has for us. And so there is always new. There is always something fresh. There is always something more that God is directing us and leading us into. And we, we, we must never just stay in 1969 or 1989 or even you know, 2017. We must never stay there because God has fresh things that he's wanting to introduce us to. And then my final thought about the kingdom is, is this kingdom thing, it costs you absolutely nothing. And yet it costs you absolutely everything. That's sort of the paradox of the whole thing. You know, this kingdom thing isn't this pleasant religious idea, you know. Oh, I could add that. I could, I could just add that into my already busy and successful life. This kingdom thing is, 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 a, is a replacement journey that we walk on. It's, it's something that we step into, walk into, that we become part of, that we are part of already, and that we're invited into. You know, it's not church. That's not the kingdom. I mean, it might be part of the kingdom, but it's only a small part of the kingdom. You know, it's not, it's not sort of, I don't know, um, just living a slightly better life. It's, a, it's, a, it's an embracing of everything that God has and wants us to have, and that costs us everything. It's not, a, it's not like a sort of a, you know, a museum exhibit. You know, go across to the Auckland Museum or something like that and see something that was really relevant once, you know, in its glass cabinet. It's not like that at all. It's something that is fabulous. It's something that's a, that's a, a, a treasure trove, we could say, um, that it's ours for the taking if we sell everything else and buy it. You know, it's a pearl. It's the biggest, it's the finest, it's the best, it's the purest pearl that any jeweler could imagine. It's ours for the taking if we sell everything else, including all the other pearls. Great pearls, I'm sure. Wonderful pearls, good things that the merchant had in his, in his you know, kind of his, his little safe that he carried around or whatever it was. If you sell everything in order to purchase the pearl, and that's what we are to do. We're going to co conclude our service today with communion. And what I want us to do as we have communion today, and if you're visiting with us today, we would love you to have communion together with us today. You know, if you're on a if you're on a walk towards Jesus in, in any way, 
then you're, you're um, so welcome to participate. If you feel um, kind of a little unsettled about, you know, kind of doing that, then that's okay too. You don't need to, and um, we're very happy about that too. But what I want us to do today, and I'm just going to give us a few moments before we come and, and, and take communion, is I want us just to look on these, these points that, that have been part of the message today, and I want us to pick one to be our, to be our ongoing theme for the week, if I can be so bold to be something that, you know, we might write down, you know, maybe along with one of the words that were given, you know, earlier in the service. And just to think, I'm going I'm to ponder that, I'm going to take that, and there could be other things that I've said or other people have said that you want to do as an alternative, and that's fine. <coughs> but this whole idea that the kingdom is bigger than we think. You know, is my kingdom too small, we could ask ourselves. The idea of getting rid of the clutter are the things that are cluttering my life and causing in causing impediments to me understanding the bigness of what God's got for me. Um, of this thing of the kingdom waiting to be found, am I even discovering it at all anymore? Of this invitation to the beautiful things, of this mixture of old and new, and is that an uneasy thing or is it an easy thing for you that's happening? And of this whole thing of, yes, it costs nothing because Jesus has done it all, but then it costs everything because it's an invitation to life. And so just want to encourage you to be thoughtful of this as we come to the most magnificent um, example of old and new, this ancient practice really of the church instigated by Jesus and followed on, you know, kind of we, we, we stand today and we follow in the footsteps of 2,000 years of Christendom to be able to, to, be able to participate of emblems of Jesus' broken body, um, shed blood for us so that we may experience this whole thing of the kingdom that we are talking about today. So God, we thank you for just the opportunity to sit and to ponder three small, but I, I hope profound verses. And Lord, we ask that you would make it just very personal and real to us today. So just as we do pray, and in this moment, you know, I think you could say, well, kind of I could choose all of them, I could choose none of them. Just, just look up there and see what you're drawn to. See what, see what God would have you take away and to work with and to develop from there. So God, would you speak to us? It would be speaking to you just as much as someone standing in front of the church. Would you speak to every one of us? Give us an idea, give us a thought that we can go off on whatever tangents that you would have us so that we too can experience something of this magnificent thing. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast. <laughs>